When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us on this installment of Restore the Floor is the award-winning author of such books as uh, Football for a Buck about the USFL, Boys Will Be Boys on the Dallas Cowboys, Gunslinger on Brett Favre, tons of stuff. The latest one, I believe, is uh, Bo Jackson, The Last Living Hero. He is Jeff Perlman, and uh, who wrote the book Showtime, about the L.A. Lakers in the 80s, and the reason we're having Jeff on our podcast, Evan, is because Showtime, the book, is what Winning Time, the HBO series, is based on, and season two begins this weekend. How you doing, Jeff? I actually thought you were having me on just because of my University of Delaware education and my charming good looks. Well, I actually, well, because the University of Delaware actually wears Michigan helmets or vice versa, right? Oh, 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 oh. Michigan wears Delaware helmets. I agree with that, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> yes, Evan and Michigan. And actually, both of them, both of them stole it from Princeton. True story. So actually, Michigan and Delaware. I mean, colors too different, but they, the style is direct from Princeton. So, yep. We neither of us are original. Yes. Well, I mean, hey, the, the Philly Fanatics' father was Tubby Raymond. So, I mean, the, the legendary, the, the legendary Delaware football coach. Not only that, I just want to say, since we're on this topic, <laughs> Delaware is one of four schools in America to have a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a president of the United States. We had Flacco and Gannon, uh, Flacco and Joe Biden, and, Byron, and they're both named Joe. So you can add that to through the grid. Yeah, and unfortunately, Michigan's one of those schools too, which kills me. Yep. Yeah, Michigan is one of those schools. Right. Brady and yep. Ford. Brady and uh, Jared Ford. Mm. Yes, exactly. All right. Uh, the, the, the first, the, the book that you wrote uh, a few years ago based on, you know, following the Lakers and uh, the whole magic, Kareem, that whole dynasty, so to speak. How much of what they took on at least season one, because we haven't seen season two yet, was uh, was accurate from the book? A lot of it. I mean, they really, I think, did a really good job of, I mean, they, they the research they did on the show was really intensive. Uh, they've allowed me to be really involved. So um, the writer's room is overflowing with different Laker books, different material, et cetera. Um, and they really, I thought, did a really strong job of taking this, the material I got through the years from reporting about the Lakers and incorporating it into the show. I mean, it's not a documentary, so obviously there are flourishes and exaggerations, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I don't know. I feel, I'm pretty happy with how they did it. Now, for someone like me, born in 1983, I didn't get to really live that Lakers dynasty like I wanted to, but seeing the show based off of your book and getting to see that from my perspective was one of the cooler things that I got to see with the intertwine of how some players liked one another, others didn't like each other, how Magic came in and still had to win over people. How cool was that just from you just being able to tell that story for people like me that necessarily didn't get to see it growing up? 
Well, first of all, I just want to say, I know you dropped that 83 thing, so I would wish you a happy 40th birthday, so welcome to 40. Yeah, that was like a week uh, ago, by the way. (laughs) Welcome to 40. Thank you. um, Yes, it does. um, I mean, the coolest thing thing for me, I mean, it, it was all cool. And I always say this, and it's really true. Like, if anyone ever writes a book, if any of your listeners write books, and HBO comes along and they say, we want to turn your book into a TV show, always say yes, because... The perks are preposterous. Like, especially paying for my kids' college education, it in- increases book sales a hundredfold. You get to go on the set and hang out. You get to have cameos in the show. You get to be involved with the writers. You get to meet the stars. I mean, all the stuff. The premiere party was the best thing ever. Like, all that stuff is awesome. But maybe the coolest thing is um, you when you go to set, it's like your book it's like walking into a page from your book and it's really weird and really trippy. There are scenes that I've been at, I've witnessed and uh, stood there as a film that's straight from my book. And you're like, this is the weirdest thing ever. It truly is like someone opening up your book and putting you inside of it. Um, it's ridiculous. I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing ever. It's truly the greatest thing ever. Everything about it is cool. And if you're super nostalgic for the eighties, like I am, even though you, you personally don't remember it, like you, the the show is really good at throwing you back in the time period, which is sort of one of the hallmarks of a quality program. Now, I love the show. the 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 critics, most of them, love the show. Some people didn't. So, does Jerry West have a legitimate beef about how he's portrayed the movie and in in the show, not the movie, but the, in the show? Because it it looks like he's kind of a whack job. All right. So, I guess there's like a yes or no to this. I would say yes. Because And it's funny because, um, you know, I'm a journalist. The writers on the show are not journalists, right? They're, they're TV writers and film writers, and this is what they do for a living. And I think they were really taken aback at first by, by when guys like West and Magic sort of dumped on the show. And I always said to them, and I've said this repeatedly to them, like, you have to understand where these guys are coming from. Like, you're Jerry West or you're Magic Johnson, and you're turning on the TV, and there's someone who looks just like you who has taken on your name, um, who is doing things you did, and he does not like the depiction. He does not feel good about the depiction. He doesn't think it accurately represents him. He doesn't think it puts him in a positive light. Like, you have to understand someone feeling that way, which I do. That being said, um, anyone who read Jerry West's own autobiography, West by West, which is a great, great, great sports book that I highly recommend, he was insanely intense and walking the edge and couldn't watch his own team play and would break golf clubs, you know, slam them to the ground in anger. Like he was a ticking time bomb. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's really cool. He's really enjoyable. He's really smart. He's great. But like that side of him that's shown in the TV show is very, very accurate. So I get him complaining. I really do. But I think he, I don't think he's ever watched a show. That's my honest opinion. I doubt that he's watched the show. What about the um, the, the Magic Norm Nixon uh, dispute? How legitimate was that portrayed? All right, so I would say 98% legit. In season one, they had one scene. It's actually my least favorite scene in the show where they had them play each other one-on-one at a white party. That yeah. never happened. Yeah, that never happened. I, I yeah, I didn't love that. I'm not going to lie. I didn't love it because... They really, uh, Magic and Norm really had a, um, 
there was a real intense rivalry there. Like it was legit and the emotions of it all were clear. And, and, and it's just weird as a journalist, when you see them take something and completely make it up, like it is TV. It's not a documentary. It's a narrative interpretation. I understand that. But for me, that felt a little unnecessary. So that was my least favorite thing in the show. Now, I'm like a big nitpicker on the continuity of the show. Like, are the jerseys accurate? Are the shoes accurate? All that kind of stuff. And all of that was like spot on to my untrained eye. But the one question I have, what the heck happened to that Larry O'Brien trophy in the show? Like, I had to go and do my research. I was like, did this trophy change over time? And no, it didn't. But do you know why it was so different on the show compared to real life? Like, how do they not have the rights for that, but they do every uniform and shoe and everything else? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I will tell you this, I, and I, 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 I'm being serious. Like, early, early on, this is when I knew the sort of the, the attention to detail was pretty impressive. Early on in season one, I remember I got a call one day and someone from the show was asking me, do you know what material they used on the NBA summer league jerseys in 1980? Because they want to duplicate the material to perfection. Can you find out what material was used? And I was like, you people are crazy. What material? What are you talking about? Well, we just want to get it right. And um, like little things like that. And I remember going to the set for the first time and they had the basketballs from 1980, which are different than the modern basketballs. And they literally recreated, I don't know. So they had a hundred NBA basketballs from 1980. Wow. So they really, and, I, and the first time I walked into the Laker offices on a studio, at the forum and also the forum, the court from the forum, which they recreated to perfection. It was really crazy. So I guess I, I didn't even realize with Larry Bryan trophy, I guess they, maybe someone was sleeping that day. Because <laughs> they really did put a ton of attention into the show. The, the, the actor that portrays Magic Johnson is actually from here. He actually played yeah. right in, 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 Cal in Kalamazoo. He did a really, yeah. really good job. Uh, how was he to work with? He's the best. Quincy Isaiah. Yeah. He was uh, Quincy Crosby, uh, starting offensive lineman at Kalamazoo College. Yeah. and um, Which is a terrific college, by the way. Is it? I know very little about it. Oh, yeah. Um, a really good school. I mean, Great D3 school. Oh, that's cool. He, um, it's funny because when they cast him, I was like, who the hell is this guy? And uh, I did a Google search and all, you know, like everything, and you find his, there's a, uh, there's a video online of him playing college football and it's him as like a squat offensive lineman just pancaking people and you know he lost a lot of weight and he got in really good shape and yeah, one of my favorite things of the of the show was it took a lot of young unknown actors like Quincy had zero IMDB page like zero he had no credits whatsoever I think he did some theater in college and that was it so this guy went from being an unknown recently graduated Kalamazoo College football player to headlining a show on HBO with John C. Riley and Sally Field. And I remember saying to him like a, a bunch of times in season one, I'd be like, man, your, your life is really about to change. Like this is the craziest thing ever. Your story is crazy. And the show is full of that young actors plucked out of nowhere, plucked out of obscurity who all of a sudden are on HBO. It's like my favorite part of the show. One of the things that I never realized, I mean, obviously as a sports fan and working in the sports media, 
you, you knew about him. You, 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 it was it was Doctor Bus. I never imagined how bizarre and intense he was. And I guess coming up in season two, his uh, anti-Celtics uh, fury comes up big time, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's going to shock you to know he liked the ladies and he had a lot of sex. <laughs> yeah, that we knew before. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to tarnish anything, but that is the truth. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean John C. Riley. It's funny because you wouldn't think, oh, you know, who would be a great Jerry Buss is John C. Riley. Like that makes sense. And then you see him do it, and he just pulls it off, and um, it's mind blowingly good. And so, season two, I've seen all the episodes. I was involved in it, and. Um, it's a lot more about the Boston Lake rivalry and a lot more about the emergence of the bird magic sort of conflict. Uh, the guy who plays bird is an actor named Sean Patrick small who looks like a guy. He's incredible. Uh, wait, so true story, not joking. I'd say three weeks ago, Sean. So Sean lives in LA. I live about an hour South of LA and I play pickup every Saturday morning. And I've been inviting Sean for a long time. I came last Saturday He's a really good player. He's like 6'4". He's in his 30s. You know, he's kind of in his prime as a player. And one thing that's weird is he shoots just like Bird because he told me they reconstructed his shot in training for the show. <laughs> so you play. he doesn't look like Bird out of makeup. He just looks like some guy. But, like, his shot, his release is exactly like Larry Bird. And he said it's improved his play a lot. And he's a really, actually a really good if he's on your pickup team in most games, you're going to win. He's like that level of good. Well, and then you talk about like rivalries in sport. Obviously, we have Michigan-Ohio State here. But to me, I mean, one of the biggest rivalries ever for one-on-one is going to be Bird versus Magic, right? You're, you have the video games. You have the lore from college. Then you get to the NBA. But just from your perspective of getting to write about that, how cool is it? Because it doesn't seem like Larry Bird is your average NBA player. It seemed like Larry Bird, when he wasn't playing basketball, he was chugging beers, right? And just having a good time and sitting down. How cool cool was that to just tell that story i mean it's it's one of my favorite i love everything about it actually i don't even talk about that much i love that rivalry um it's also it's funny because looking back I, I i'm on this crusade lately uh against lazy cliches and i feel like that rivalry actually had more lazy cliches in a lot like people would be like ah oh, the white guy versus the black guy like that was always the first thing the white guy versus the black guy and it would be like the athletic black guy versus the gritty, hardworking white guy. And I was like, I always say this, like Larry Bird was a freaking hell of an athlete. When people were like, Oh, he could like, he was a hell of an athlete. He had super quick feet, super quick hands, could get a shot off anywhere. Amazing rebounder, phenomenal instincts. Um, and magic Johnson was not that great of an athlete. Like Larry Bird was a better jumper than Magic Johnson. Like Magic Johnson could get off the ground. Think about how many times you saw him and Matt Johnson dunk in a basketball game. It's not often. Maybe. No, and he was 6'9". <laughs> and and also, like, you know, Larry Bird, like, they'll be like, you know, Larry Bird just wanted to win at all costs. Like, Magic Johnson would slit your throat to win. And Magic Johnson got his coach fired, Paul Westhead, because he didn't think they were going to win with him. So, like, I just think, like, the two guys were, what made it really cool is how similar they were. And they were just these, they would do anything at all costs to win, they were products of the Midwest. They were dogged and hardworking. Yeah, one was black. Yeah, one was white. Yeah, one played for L.A. Yeah, one played for Boston. But in a lot of ways, it's the similarities and how equal they were as players, like really equal as players. 
um, and that they played against each other in the national championship game in 79 in the, you know, what was the, the most watched game in basketball history. But you talk um, about cliches awesome. about that rivalry. That game really sucked. I mean, it was yeah, just, that was not a good game. No, not a good game. Indiana State got the test kick. But I do think it's kind of cool because um, I said this to someone recently. India, I went to Delaware. We discussed this off the air. But right. like, in, Indiana State making the finals that year would be like Delaware making the finals. Yeah. It's like they were a nobody team. Nobody thought of them. And they added. It's actually it's funny because uh, about 10 years ago, Elena Deladon went to play at the University of Delaware for basketball. Right. Lucked into getting the best women's player in the country because she happened to be from Delaware. And all of a sudden, Delaware made the Sweet 16 in women's basketball. And then they were never heard from again. And that's basically what happened. Indiana State got lucky that this guy originally committed to Indiana, went to Indiana for about a week, dropped out, went home, and Indiana State comes along, and he plays for them. It was just pure luck, but they were not nearly as good as Michigan State. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, th- so this season takes us through probably the, the mid-80s, right, if it's all based on the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. is I, know, I, I read that they got the green light for season three. Is that when we get our bad boys involved? Uh, so they did, that is incorrect. They did oh. not get the green light. The, the oh. tra- it's a bit, so, you yeah, know, it's fair. I've, I've read that too. And it's not actually true. So basically what has to happen is, um, HBO has to, I think it's based on, you know, they always judge the shows on ratings. Yes. So it depends how well the show does. So, uh, I need your listeners to, to watch because I have another kid who needs to go to college. Too. <laughs> um, I don't know what they'll do. You know, I just don't know. I mean, my book goes from 79 to 91. Right. It goes from Magic's arrival to Magic's retirement at the HIV press conference. Um, I don't know. That'd be pretty sweet, though, to have like a Rodman and a Lambeer and a Vinnie Johnson and all those guys. Oh, yeah. Because at 88, they, you know, thought the Phantom, we thought the Phantom fouled. Lambeer never fouled Kareem. The Pistons should have won 88 in six games. There would have been no no three-peat. So I I read, so you're, you're working on a book Basically, even after that, the end of the Lakers of the Kobe Shaq deal, where which ended here at the Palace, basically with the Pistons winning the championship, right? Correct, correct. So, um, how's that? How's that research for that been going? We had Larry Brown on our podcast a, a while ago, and he's always telling me that uh, Phil Jackson has a fish of a handshake. Uh, but that was yeah. that was an unbelievable. Everybody thought around even around here, ah, Pistons are going to get killed, and we call it the five game sweep here, actually. But uh, oh, yeah. what, what, I, what was the research I on that? Jackson. Yeah. I spent, um, I spent, uh, I don't know, a day, full day in Montana with Phil Jackson driving around. Found him really interesting and kind of cool. And um, we talked a lot about the state of Montana and his boyhood and all that stuff. And um, yeah, I don't, you know, I love that era. I, uh, I love everything about that era. I, I mean, I'm a hoops head and um, I, it still kills me. I, I feel like right now nobody talks about Shaquille O'Neal for how great he was 
And I kind of want that to come to light. I, you know what I mean? It's kind of weird how he's been lost to history, maybe because he's such a good commentator, mm-hmm. maybe because of his post-business career, maybe because of the death of Kobe Bryant. But I feel like he's one of the overlooked superstars, weirdly, of all time. Absolutely. I mean, for me, being like 10 years old when he's breaking backboards and stuff, I mean, Shaq will always have a place in history for me. Now, I have a question because Stoney mentioned how Jerry West and Magic Johnson maybe didn't necessarily like how they were depicted in the show. Is there anybody that came up to you and was like, man, you nailed that? Like, you got that scene so right, or I I forgot about that personally. Did any former players come up to you and actually, like, commend you on it? So not to me personally, because I don't, it's not like I keep in touch with like all the former Lakers, but, um, there are guys like, um, well, it's interesting because Norm Nixon's son, Devon plays Norm Nixon in the show. So he was literally getting talking to his dad who played for the team as he was playing his dad, which is kind of interesting. Um, Jim Jones was a forward on those Laker teams and, um, the guy who plays Jim is a guy named uh, Newton Malenge. And Newton and Jones have been in contact regularly. Jones is a huge fan of the show. So there are people out there who like it. But I, I just want to say also, like, I just kind of get it. Like, none of those guys are getting paid. So if, like, you know, again, if you're Magic or you're Kareem, you're like, what the hell? I'm not making any money off this. They're using my name. They're using my likeness. I don't know how I feel about this. So... The negative stuff you hear in the press, um, I sort of understand. I don't love it, but I get it. Spencer Haywood, Detroit University uh, of Detroit. Liked it. He was, I know, I read, I read. He loved it. He thought it was right on. Oh yeah. Uh, well, that was Wood Harris who played Spencer Haywood. Wood Harris is amazing. He's a uh, he's a guy who played. He's he was he was Jules in uh, what the hell's a movie? Remember the Titans? Right. And he's the trainer in Creed, and uh, he's been in a million different things. He was in Above the Rim with Tupac and. He's that, yeah, he was that in the portrayal. wire, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. That portrayal of Spencer Hayward is awesome. I um, I don't want to brag, but when I worked on the book, I went to Las Vegas to interview Spencer Hayward, and I overflowed his toilet. <laughs> now that is good. Can we get that in the show somehow? <laughs> and I just want to say, all I did was pee. This is a true story. I swear to God, this is everyone's worst nightmare. You're here to interview Spencer Hayward. He gives you time. You say, Spencer, do you mind if I use the bathroom? He says, Sure. It's right down the hall. You go, you use the bathroom. All you do is pee. You don't poop. You pee. That is it. I swear to God. I pee. I flush the toilet. The water starts coming out. It's running out at a massive rate, overflowing all over the bathroom. <laughs> it's seeping under the crack in the door into his daughter's room where there's carpet. So the water is now coming out over the carpet. I run up to Spencer Hayward. I go in a panic. Spencer, do you have a plunger? As cool as a cucumber, he hands me a plunger. I go back in. I plunge the toilet. There's water everywhere. I go, Spencer, do you have some paper towels? He gives me paper towels, doesn't even flinch. I'm in Spencer Haywood's bathroom, plunging a toilet that all I did was pee into and cleaning it up with paper towels. That's awesome. <laughs> the, the, one, the last question I have about the show, and I, and I just wonder this, because obviously you're working with abnormal human beings. What I mean by that is in the NBA, these dudes are all 6'5", 6'9", Kareem 7 foot. How hard is that for the people that cast and then shooting the show to make sure that Kareem is, you know, three inches taller than magic at all times or you like, that's the thing that I wondered, like how tough is it to actually have these actors? Cause I'm sure it's very hard to find a seven foot dude that looks just like Kareem that's in his twenties that wants to play that role. So how hard was that from that standpoint to get that right? All right. Good question. So 
the actor who plays Kareem is named uh, Solomon Hughes, Dr. Solomon Hughes. And he only, I think he had one commercial he ever auditioned for. He's never acted. But he is a former center at Cal, and he's 6'10". Oh. So, and they cast it really well. And he's also, he's in his early 40s, which for Kareem is good, because Kareem was an older player. But, okay, so you might think, oh, well, that's good. The problem is, Magic was 6'9 in real life, but Quincy's about 6'1". So, and a lot of these guys. So then you have them, and they have to look like they're speaking, like it has to look like a 6'9 guy speaking to a 7-foot guy, not like a 7-foot guy speaking to a 6'2 guy or 6'1 guy. So they have these really, really high sneakers that they wear. Like really high. Like it looks like they're white bricks beneath their shoes <laughs> to give them extra height. And you just, and there was one scene in season one, I don't remember what it was, for about an eighth of a second where they accidentally showed the high white shoe. Oh, I got to go back now. Wow. And my weekend's yeah, gone. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, as somebody like myself who grew up in Philly, I watched Paul West head coach against my alma mater, American University. To see Jason Siegel play Paul Westhead was weird. So how did how did that casting work? And the other question about that is, and this is, goes back to your book research too, if Jack McKinney does not get into that bike accident, does the Laker dynasty exist or is he that good of a coach? Um, I obviously remember from St. Joe's where it still would have happened and Riley would have never even gotten a gig. Man, your Philly is definitely showing on those questions. Yeah, I know. I'm here for it. Um, I didn't want to say McKinney. So McKinney was a great coach. And actually the casting on that was Tracy Letts, and that was really good. And um, I, when I was reporting the book, flew down to Florida to spend time with Jack McKinney. And he has since passed. And I sat outside on, like, the porch of his house with him and his wife, Claire. And... I had this folder of materials from the Lakers and he remembered almost none of it. It was really sad. Like the head injury he had plus age right. rendered him very, and he was such a nice guy. And I have a letter framed in my office that he wrote me after the book came out. It was really nice. Um, I think the Lakers are still great with Jack McKinney as coach. I mean, he really installed sort of the idea the fast break, uh, filling the lanes, blah, blah, blah. It sounds simple, but he, he brought his own offense that he's kind of swiped from Jack Ramsey. And, um, I mean, nothing's original in, in coaching and, uh, and it was great. And I think they would have been great with him. And, wow. uh, the Jason Siegel casting, I thought was, was pretty freaking brilliant. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, the guy, the guy, I think West hard to, hard to cast. And I think Siegel has this kind of hangdog thing to him <laughs> where the world is caving in on me, which is kind of the position Paul West said was in. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And also, at the, I just want to say, see, the coolest thing about this for me um, is they had a premiere party at, after, uh, for the first season. And they rented out this old movie theater in L.A. And I'm just a sports writer. You know, like I'm, a, I'm a nobody. And I show up at this theater with my kids and the whole thing was like the craziest thing ever. My kids are both in high school. They think I'm not cool at all. And a car comes and sent, picks us up, and they takes us there. And they have a red carpet, and they're like, okay, Mr. Perlman, you need to walk the red carpet now. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, definitely. I walk the red carpet. My kids are watching. And we're at this party, and my daughter, who loved the Muppets, the movie The Muppets, sees Jason Siegel. And she's like, should I take a picture with him? And I'm like, well, let's go, let's go talk to him. And she takes a picture with Jason Siegel and she's thrilled. And the greatest moment ever of my life of all time ever is the guy who plays Red Auerbach, Michael Chiklis, uh-huh. was, was 
smoking cigars because I had a cigar bar at this party. And I walk over and my daughter, who at the time is probably 17 and my son is 14 at the time, my daughter goes, we should smoke cigars. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be the crappiest parent of all time. We should smoke a cigar. So me and my two kids walked over to the cigar bar, got a cigar. We all smoked it briefly. We all hated it. But sitting there at a party for a TV show on HBO based on a book I wrote, attended by Sally Field and Michael Chiklis and Adrian Brody and all that stuff, and smoking a cigar with my kid is maybe the coolest moment of my life. That, that, that is freaking awesome. There's no way to uh, better to wrap that up. Jeff, I look forward to talking to you when the, the new book comes out on the Lakers, uh, and hopefully we'll get into the Pistons. And, and well, it's 2004. Uh, we'd love to give you any publicity. We, we, we can appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. Take All care. Right.